the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. In today's gospel, the practical application is revealed when we look a little more closely at the language. We are told of the ten lepers that were cleansed, quote, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down at Jesus' feet on his face, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. The Greek word for giving thanks in this passage is the verb form of Eucharist, which became the common ancient word for the church's chief act of worship. Every week, we who have been healed by Jesus also return to give him thanks, to offer Eucharist. The nine Jewish lepers, at least that's my assumption. Father David tells me that that's an assumption because then say that. But I'm assuming that the nine others were Jewish and that one was the Samaritan only. That uh, the nine others who were cleansed went off to the temple to have their healing certified according to the ceremony described in Leviticus chapters 13 and 14. The Samaritan leper could not go with them. He probably realized that as he began to go because he was a Samaritan and would not have been at all welcome at the temple. However, in this story, Jesus performs the function of the temple for this Samaritan leper. He certifies his healing and commands him to get up and go and live a normal life. This highlights one of the central New Testament themes, that Jesus is the new temple, and Jesus is also the fulfillment of the priesthood. All that used to be accomplished by the old covenant priests in the physical building in Jerusalem is now accomplished through the person of Jesus Christ. The Samaritan returned to give thanks for his healing in a manner that reflects the original human vocation. We were created to be Eucharistic beings to take the creation God gave to us and to offer it back to God in thanksgiving. This is a central theme of one of our church's favorite books, a book called For the Life of the World by Alexander Schmemann. Father Schmemann makes the point that the original sin involved partaking in the one thing for which the first humans could not give thanks because it was not a gift. This non-Eucharistic act, the first humans, led to a non-Eucharistic pattern of life. By nature, we use the creation on our own terms, as though it were a possession and not a gift. By nature, we do not return to give thanks. Redemption in Christ involves a restoration of our human vocation to be Eucharistic beings. The original human vocation involved offering thanksgiving to God for the creation. 
after the fall of man, the Eucharistic vocation came to include thanksgiving for God's redemption. God's redemption was foreshadowed in that very first story by the coats of skin that God provided to cover the nakedness of the first humans. If there was a coat of skin, there was the death of the animal to whom the skin formerly belonged. From thenceforth in the Old Testament, worship involved sacrifice for sin, as well as thanksgiving for the gift of life and creation. The preeminent act of redemption was the Exodus, where the blood of the Passover lambs saved the people of Israel, and God led them out of Egypt to freedom. God led them to live in a new way. <clears throat> the Eucharist that we celebrate each week combines thanksgiving for the creation with thanksgiving for redemption in Christ. In the offertory, we offer back to God the symbols of bread and wine, which represent the creation. We offer these on the altar. These represent both the creation, God's gift of wheat and grape, and also human participation in the creation, turning wheat into bread and turning grape into wine. By the act of consecration, our offering becomes the body and blood of Jesus, which are both the symbols and the fruit of his death on the cross. And therefore, in this act, creation and redemption are joined. Eucharist is not merely thanksgiving for a past event. To remember, which is what we're commanded to do at the altar when we, uh, we're, we're doing this in, in faithfulness to Christ's command to do this in remembrance. To remember in the biblical sense is to experience the power of something in the present moment in a new way. We do not merely offer the creation to God in some distant sense, but we offer ourselves to God as part of the creation. As we remember Christ's death, we remember, we experience again the truth that we were buried with Christ in baptism. As we receive the bread of life, we remember our baptismal resurrection. It is instructive that the gospel speaks of two healings for the Samaritan leper. First, he was healed of his leprosy with the other nine. Quote, as they went, they were healed. Then after he returned to Jesus to offer thanksgiving, Jesus said to him, arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. In the same way, we who have been forgiven and healed by Jesus are also continually made whole as we return to give him thanks. We are united with the Father through the Son in the Spirit. As a result, we are restored to a harmony with the creation. All things as a result of our Eucharistic act, are in their proper order. 
we experience what the Bible calls peace or shalom. We are like the leper made whole. This experience of peace relates to the epistle where St. Paul exhorts us to walk in the spirit. And he tells us that if we walk in the spirit, we will not, quote, fulfill the lusts of the flesh. At first glance, this sounds like an exhortation to try hard to be spiritual. The problem, of course, is that we will fail in our attempts to be spiritual just as we will fail in our attempts to save ourselves from sin and death. To walk in the spirit is, in fact, the fruit, the product of a Eucharistic life. Only those who have been united with the Father through the Son in the Spirit through prayer can go back into the world and walk in the Spirit. We can only walk or live in the Spirit if we are experientially in the Spirit. We cultivate the experience of the Spirit through prayer. Thus, without prayer, we cannot walk in the Spirit. The concept of walking in the Spirit sounds ethereal at first, like we're supposed to float around in the Spirit. In fact, walking in the Spirit is quite practical. It means to fulfill our vocation to love God and love our neighbor in every circumstance. It means simply to do God's will in the midst of the challenges of the business world, the aggravations of family life, and in the face of the temptations brought upon us by the world, the flesh, and the devil. This is our essential work as Christians, and our ability to succeed in this work depends upon our prayer. We come to the Father through the Son in the Spirit to be made whole. We go forth in the Spirit to walk or live in a new way. In the Spirit, we are able to walk. However, because we are not yet fully whole, we are also uh, prone to stumble. So we must return and give thanks and be made whole again, so we can rise and walk again, perhaps with a little bit less of a limp this time. We are, in fact, spiritual toddlers. We do not yet fully walk in the spirit. We are, rather, learning how to walk in the spirit. This is why we repeat the pattern of the Samaritan leper every week. And this is why we will continue to repeat the pattern of the leper until Eucharist gives way to resurrection. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.